Today on Digfin Vox, I speak with James DiBiazio, Editor-in-Chief of Digital Finance Media, about conversations he had with Blockchain Development Consortium, R3, where he asks them the tough questions like, hey, where's our use case? James also had a chance to talk about a different approach to blockchain with the inventor of Ethereum, Vitalik Buterin, and whether or not Ethereum's view of blockchain plays nicely with R3 in the future. Thanks for joining us today, James. So for starters, what is R3 exactly? R3 is a consortium. It's, uh, it, it, although its, it's structure is changing, it, it it's big, began and continues to be like a, a club. Uh, and its members are banks and some big insurance companies. Right. So it's, it's focused just on, on servicing those, those members, so to speak. Got it. <clears throat> now, uh, how long have these guys been around? Um, not very long, a couple of years. Right, but I mean, a couple of years in, and uh, do they have any use cases? No use cases yet, right? They are working on use cases. Uh, I think they're close. They've had a pilot for some time on trade finance using blockchain to, to move, to, to, to process those trades. Um, and I think they're close to getting to a point where they can actually begin to roll something out with some of their member banks that have been working with them on that. But for the, for the most part, they've been working on the foundational work. They they began uh, when they when they launched and I'll get you the date when they launched it was um, the the focus was on okay what are the apps what are the functions we're going to do we're going to bring together these banks we're going to uh, get their engineers in with our tech guys and we're going to create amazing apps using blockchain technology uh, distributed ledger but that that turned out to not work the, the 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 stuff that came out the banks decided was just unusable because the technology wasn't good enough. Uh, and so they pivoted and began really focusing on how to build the, the the bottom layers of the stack from scratch. Meaning, how do we build the core operating system and the the using computer language to c- create ways to create functions and to have these things be able to communicate with each other. Put R three in context for me. How does it live in the world of blockchain there's a number of big umbrella organizations or membership groups that are out there developing different things for blockchain not just for financial services r3 is focused on financial services but there are others there that that we've written about hyperledger which is a giant open source linux foundation affiliated group it's more like a governance structure to help different teams and so within the hyperledger you've got IBM and Intel and, and a variety of others all working on different blockchain or distributed ledger projects that would then become something that could be used by used by banks or by governments or by other companies. Uh, and you have a similar thing with uh, Enterprise Ethereum Alliance, um, but that's a bit more for profit, um, whereas Hyperledger is a nonprofit. Uh, and then you've got a consortium like R3, and then of course you have companies that are basically vendors. They, they are technology companies trying to develop blockchain to sell to, to customers. Uh, Axioni and Digital Asset Holdings are, are some of the more prominent ones. Do these um, different players in blockchain eventually overlap? Is there a portion of overlap? Do, do many of these fall away in the future? How, how do you see this playing out? Uh, they do overlap. Uh, so when we've talked about people like the depository trust 
um, Clearing Corporation, DTCC. They, they use many of these for different projects. In, in some cases, they've got uh, they work with R3 more as a, a consultant or an advisor, uh, and then they've got Axioni and Digital Asset Holdings that are developing very specific blockchain projects for them in different in different fields. Um, they might also work with, um, they or another bank could also work with um, a project like an IBM or an, an Intel uh, developing, developing a blockchain under the Hyperledger governance protocol. Uh, they, they might want a mix of open source technology where everybody in the world can contribute something uh, or something that is very private and bespoke. So, yes, there is a lot of, of overlap, particularly in the, for, for very big projects. Um, now, R3, as a, as they're a consortium of banks, so, I mean, you would think they would be at the cutting edge for the use of blockchain for financial services applications is, are, do they have an edge because of their membership? I think one reason why we sometimes hear this lament that blockchain is at all talk and no action is because you did have companies coming out a year or two ago, like R3 that were saying, okay, well, we've got the banks, we're going to be doing all these projects. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and then, you know, you get, you know, crickets. So the, but 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 the reason why it's been it's been slow is because they are trying to make sure that the technology works in the way that suits the banks. It has to be developed pretty much from scratch. This is brand new technology. You don't have a lot of engineers who are familiar with the how how to how to build it or how it operates. Um, the the language the programming languages are not not necessarily new but um, but they might some of them might need to be updated or either you're you're taking a, a programming language that might have been developed for a different kind of technology and trying to adapt it to this so you know it, it doesn't just happen overnight uh, and they're trying to really lay groundwork so that then they can start to roll out stuff so I do think that probably uh, next year you'll probably start to see uh, an inc you know the the pace of of practical things start to pick up. Uh, and the other thing that R3 has to deal with that a lot of these other groups do not necessarily is because they are working on behalf of financial institutions, they are trying to develop, we call it blockchain, but in a pure sense, it's not blockchain. It's a distributed ledger technology that is operating without an underlying cryptocurrency. Banks don't want to deal with cryptocurrency. Um, they, they, they're, they're just not ready to take that leap. And so you've got to develop something that kind of looks like a duck and walks like a duck, but it's not actually a duck. Um, and, uh, and that's what they're trying to do. So, and, and then the third thing is um, banks don't like the idea of a decentralized ledger where everybody on the network gets to see what's going on. Um, you know, and, and that makes sense. You cannot have a private bank. So the, the person I interviewed at, at R3, uh, Charlie Cooper, is one of the managing directors there, and he's based in New York. And he said, look, you cannot have private banking with a completely decentralized uh, blockchain where everybody gets to see and validate what's going on. I mean, how can you have privacy in those conditions? So it would be, you know, it's just anathema to, to banks. It would ruin the business model. And, and it would be bad for clients. It would be bad for the industry. So they're, they're, they're coming up with ways to have much. So in a, in a traditional blockchain uh, like Bitcoin or Ethereum, 
whoever's on the network gets to validate whether or not a, a, a transaction is, is true or false, right? And, and so the consensus system works that way. We, could, we don't need to go into the weeds of how consensus works, but for the purpose of, of this, consensus is how trades get validated. And it would be 50% plus one. So you, know, you need a majority, a simple majority usually to, to validate which means that everybody has to look at the trade and their system has to approve it one way or the other. Uh, and, and then the, the stuff shows up on everybody's ledger. Within the R3 concept, the range of people that would be allowed to so validate or vote on whether a, a trade is true and have it show up on the ledger would be extremely small. It would just be the bank and its immediate counterparties, perhaps a regulator, perhaps a clearinghouse. And... So you're talking about a much tighter universe of people who get to see it, but you would also have 100% validity validation required. So mm. that's how they get around this 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 issue. So they're building something that's got a very different feel to it, uh, and so that that makes them a little bit different than what we see from other developers. Um, it, it sounds, given the different approach. Uh, that what you were talking about before about how they're building the fundamental layers of the stack and not the apps, uh, that, that makes sense. It's kind of a new paradigm uh, relying on uh, existing, the existing technology. Uh, I, I mean, are they at the point yet where they are thinking about applications? Or are oh, yes. They, and, and are they close? Or are they like, you know, sh are they... Uh, are they close enough that they can put a date on them when you'll be able to use them? I, uh, they are looking at, well, like I said, uh, I think they've got something in, they, a year ago they announced uh, some pilots in trade finance with about a dozen member banks. I believe they're going to be close to probably ha having something um, to say about that because it's been a while and I think that will probably be the first one out. I don't know exactly what that project will will do, uh, it, uh, but it's um, uh, because they weren't really ready to discuss it with me. But I think they're they're close on that. And just because we were talking about it, uh, just to let you know, R three was founded in two thousand and fourteen. So yeah, so the call it first year thinking they're going to do apps, uh, realizing that that's not working. They don't have the technology down right, and then pivoting. And so for the past year and a half or so, uh, really getting back down to back to basics. So you also reported on a speech by uh, Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum. What, how does it uh, relate to this, and what's the takeaways? Uh, I think it's interesting that they're sort of on the opposite ends of the spectrum of where blockchain is going. Uh, so R3 is looking at highly constrained circles of permission participants in a private manner that where you are uh, validating information without any kind of cryptocurrency underwriting it. Ethereum uh, is about the same age, uh, and uh, it was it was created by by Vitalik Buterin, who is this twenty three year old uh, Russian genius, um, and he he is the one who what he really did is he wanted blockchain to be applicable for all kinds of things. So whereas R3 is going narrow, very narrow, he is going as wide as possible. Uh, you know, he wants it to be used uh, for, for, for as many things as possible. And that's how he structured the concept of Ethereum. Um, so 
the way he explains it is block Bitcoin uh, emerged with uh, its white paper in 2000, 2009, and uh, you know, blockchain was created to enable Bitcoin. And so that first blockchain, all it does is is it helps mine con- uh, proof of work consensus for process for creating uh, blocks and 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 allowing the the trading of these. So uh, that's all it does. It doesn't do anything else. Uh, whereas Ethereum is meant to do to do any kind of, of thing, and the way that that happens is he he took the idea of smart contracts, which I gather has been floating around in the in the technology world for quite a long time. But then he was able to invent how to apply that to blockchain technology, so that you can have a, a smart contract is basically just an if then conditionality. So if Dave gives me the money by X amount of time, you know X date or an X amount, then then uh, Jane can spend the money, or something like that. You know, or you know, you can you can come up with any kind of if-then conditionalities, um, and it allows you to do a lot of a lot of things. Uh, so it's it's coincidence that I happened to to interview R three, and then the next week I was in Shenzhen listening to uh, uh, Vitalik Buterin. But they're very different approaches, and I'd say from a financial services point of view. I think R3 is going to be a lot closer to home to what banks are actually looking to do. But Ethereum, because of its wide applicability, uh, it's the favorite for startups. Uh, using that particular technology to, to uh, launch ICOs, which you and I discussed um, one or two weeks ago. Right. Uh, you know, so the whole and the move the forward forwarding the whole concept of like a digital currency that will that will probably happen in, a, in an Ethereum world. Whereas the banks are trying to wall themselves off using um, u- using distributed ledger technology being developed by the likes of R3. Are these mutually exclusive outcomes, or do these live together in the future? That's a that's a great question. Uh, I think that they will cohabitate because they will be used for different things, but they could cohabitate within the same financial institution that uses them for different different things separately so they're within silos but uh and as i said in in some cases when we talked like to dtcc they'd be using a variety of different um arrangements for different purposes so i think these will all have a future uh and uh but they'll you know but financial institutions will use them for different things but i think for course blockchain related um Stuff that where you know where banks are trying to eliminate a lot of their their middle office costs or create some means of using blockchain to sell things to to counterparties or customers in a, in a better way uh, or, or process things better. Um, I think the way that the per, the, the highly permissioned uh, closed space will, will um, with higher levels of privacy and security. Uh, and, and perhaps not so much on the, you know, I think that will appeal to them more so than let's create this crazy digital currency thing that will allow us to, to, to move stuff around that way. But if you're a hedge fund, on the other hand, you're probably going to be much more interested in what Ethereum is doing because, um, you know, that's where you can start investing in, uh, in digital tokens and, and, and make money. Control versus flexibility, yin and yang. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Thanks for sharing this story with us, James. If you'd like to read the full article on James' coverage of recent developments at R3, you can see it at the Digfin website, 
at www.digitalfinancemedia.com. The articles are free, but you have to register. I'm Dave Zweifler, and when I'm not hosting this podcast, I run public relations for SciSense, a business intelligence technology firm that lies at the crossroads of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and the Internet of Things. If you enjoyed tonight's podcast, please leave us a good rating and share it on social media so your friends can find it too. This is Digfin Vox.